last week is um, I preached on the supernatural hope. After, well, it wasn't after the service. Dr. Luis, and I'd like to say doctor now because he's earned his PhD. Would you stand, please, would you? Give it up for him. We are so very proud of you that you have done this. Well, during the service, he texts me. And, and, he said, and I went home, I found that text, and, and it was the physiology of hope. And it was some incredible stuff. So I text them back, and I says, do you have anything on the physiology of forgiveness? Well, he, he, he blasted me so much stuff is that it would take me today, tomorrow, and the next day to be able to cover all of that stuff. I always, I always love having people smarter than me in the service, you know, and we're worshiping the Lord together. But, but here's, what, here's what he shared with me is uh, how many of you would really like to resolve some issues of your health, such as lowering the risk of a heart attack. I say amen to that. After three of them, I hit my limit. No more. No more. The um, uh, improving cholesterol levels and better sleep habits. Boy, is that nice to have these days. How about reducing pain, blood pressure, levels of anxiety, depression, and stress? Hmm. And here's a big one, especially during this pandemic. Wouldn't it be nice to have a better immune response system? Now, all that is the John Hopkins uh, Hospital Studies has said that if you learn how to deal with forgiveness, the physiology of forgiveness, my friend, is real. Thank you, doctor. It is real. Wouldn't we like to have that now? That's just the physical part of it. I'm going to talk to you something about the spiritual level as well. There's an amazing story I came across is that the very first missionary who went to Alberta, Canada, they were savagely uh, uh, opposed by a young chief of the Cree Indians named Mesquituan. Now, to, to the glory of God, this young chief, even though he opposed these missionaries, listened. And then not long after that, he came to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And shortly after that, though, one of the members of the Blackfoot, tri Blackfoot tribe killed his father. So he went to that village, called out that murderer. They brought him out. And he stood there in front of this chief, and in confronting this guilty man, he said this, you have killed my father, so now you must be my father. You shall ride the best horse and wear my best clothes. Tell your people that this is the way of Chief Meskiptuan um, takes revenge. In utter amazement and remorse, the enemy, his, this man who killed his father, responded, my son, now he said, my son, he's already taken that role. My son, now you have killed me. What he meant was that that hate in my own heart has been completely erased by the forgiveness 
in kindness of the Indian chief. His, his, um, his father's murder, he continued to say, never in the history of my people had such a thing as this been known. My people and all men will say, this young chief is brave, is strong, is good, and stands alone. Wow. You see, forgiveness is costly. Forgiveness is vital. Forgiveness really is supernatural because we can't do it on our own. It is really revolutionary, and it is life-altering. When, when I was preparing this message and then praying over it, this morning, the Holy Spirit just speaking into my heart and told me, don't preach this. I go, huh? Talk to them about this. If there is ever a moment in our society today that we need to come to the understanding, the vital need of forgiveness in our individual lives, in the lives of our families, in the lives of our community, in the lives of the church, of the world, it's today. After the message I preached on this this morning, I was physically and emotionally drained. I went to my office, just sat down and go, I need strength for the next service, Lord. Because I carry that burden of this church and our community and world, the vital need of this very subject. There's more important than anything else is going on in our world, it's this. So I want to pray. Would you come in agreement with me? Spirit of God, bring into captivity every thought that we have, every preconceived thought that we may have on this subject. Let us come before you with such an openness, allowing the Holy Spirit to speak into us in a way that is life-altering. We welcome your intervention in our lives. Have your way. In Jesus' precious, restoring, renewing name we pray, and we all said, amen. So be it. Turn to Romans, the 12th chapter. Verses 17 through 21 says this. Do not repay anyone's evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends upon you, I like that. It's, it's not depending how people react to you or how the offended person reacts or whoever. It's you. And as it depends upon you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave it room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to um, avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, then he goes, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, 
give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. I find that interesting is that, that, oh, good, we're getting, maybe what we're doing is what this Indian happened to him. He says, I am dead. Because now that anger, that, that unforgiveness has been erased. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. We all know <laughs> that, that forgiveness is, is very hard, and it's really not a part of our human nature. Our human nature is to get even, to have revenge, to take advantage of someone, and to express any kind of unmerited, undeserving favor is really so far removed from us. But and knowing this is that any time we're dealing with that hurt and unforgiveness, it is, it's draining, isn't it? It's exhausting mentally, emotionally, even spiritually. But, but remember, though, that the physiology of forgiveness, there are benefits but yet sometimes I find it interesting that we actually become comfortable being angry with a person or people that have hurt us. It's kind of crazy, isn't it? It's, it's like what we feel is that we feel justified in that anger which we have towards them because we have a right for that anger. Hmm. You see, what happens then is everything in our life is focused on that. We think about it when we go to bed at night. We think about it when we wake up. We think about it throughout the day. And it literally takes us into captivity. I I made a statement years ago, and I says, the freedoms of America someday is going to become our bondages. Hmm. You may think and feel that you really have the right to be angry and not deal with that forgiveness because they have hurt you so much. And I'm not saying that the pain isn't real. I'm not, not saying that, that that hurt isn't deep. What I'm saying is, is that it could take us into bondage within our lives unless we deal with it. It costs, absolutely. But the reverse of it is that that very thing of having the uh, physiology of forgiveness and all that it can do in our physical bodies can you imagine what it can do spiritually within us? But for some reason, we value that anger, and that unforgiveness. And, and, and it's not like we value the jewelry that we get. It's our pride. It's the sense of justice. I deserve revenge. There are a couple of things I'm going to talk to you about this forgiveness thing. 
gets quiet because there's not a person sitting in this pew that is not impacted by it in some way or a great way. A Sunday school teacher, was, I love kids because they're so truthful, you know. And uh, one, of, one of our children was, they love to come to, to, to the church service and listen to the worship. They love you, Anthony. They love the worship. And they says, and we, we go to, we have three, they even know how many songs we sing for Pete's sake. A, a child of eight years old or something like that. He says, we sing the songs, they're so wonderful. Then the pastor rambles on about something really good. <laughs> love that. Well, in the Sunday school class, the teacher was talking about forgiveness. And she said, can anyone tell me what you must do before you could obtain forgiveness of sin? And the class got quiet. And all of a sudden, this little boy raised his hands in the back of the class. He says, what do you need to do before you have forgiveness of sin? He goes, I need to sin. <laughs> Don't you love it? It's my son, when, when he was young, he was drinking all of his milk before he ate his meal. And I said, Tim, if you drink all your milk, you're not going to have any left. And he looked at me and he goes, duh. You know. Yeah. And <laughs> I had an old-time preacher tell me, Pastor, do you know why we sin? And I thought he was going to give me some deep theological reason, and he says, because we want to. Wow. It's not hard. And so the thing is, is that we humans, we have this something in common. And it seems like right now what we have in common is all of our differences, isn't it? But, but, but the truth of the matter is that that it really isn't the differences. What, what we have in common is we all like to eat. Hmm. Man, I cooked some great scallops yesterday. I am learning how to fry those things and put the butter in it and move it on and flip it over. And, and oh, Man, and then when I take them out of the pan, I put a little bit of water in and I scrape the bottom up and, and get all that juice going, and then I pour it over the scallops. Oh, want me to close some prayer? Are you ready to go? <laughs> we all like to eat. We all need shelter and clothing. We all love to give and to receive, receive love, and, and, and we all sin. Well, maybe not. Has anyone here uh, not sinned this week? Has anyone not sinned today? Well, I won't go that far. Okay. So, so the truth of the matter is, is that so we all sin. So what is sin? Sin is really anything that could separate us from that relationship in which we have and God in Romans 3.23 tells us, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. <laughs> Do we really need that scripture to tell us that we have all sinned and come short of the glory of God? Uh, we know when we have, have sinned. It's, it's not like we have all been angels all of our life here. God knows that. So we have all sinned. But here's what I want you to understand, though. 
if, if I could get a, you know, one of those pocket watches, I'd bring it out of my pocket, and I would just swing it back and forth. And I would say, you're getting sleepy. You're getting sleepy. Well, some of you, oh, no, I'm not doing it, actually. Wake up. So, okay. All right. Is, is that. And then I would say, now, I want you to stand. And you would stand. Tell me your worst sin. And you would blurt it out. Boy, you, no one would want to do that. And here's the thing. God Almighty knows what that sin is. And he has already forgiven us. Do I, amen. Do I hear an amen on that? This is something in which you have received. And no matter what that sin may have been, he has already forgiven you. He loves you. And, and think of this, is in, in remembering that, is in John 20, 23, it says, if you forgive anyone his sins, they are forgiven. And then Matthew 6, 14 and 15 says, if you forgive men of their sins against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Hmm. But if you do not forgive men of their sins, your heavenly Father will not forgive your sins. Do I need to explain that? It, it's quite obvious, and, and yet we, we hold on to that sin or to that grudge or that unforgiveness as though it is almost like a trophy. But I want, you know, forgiveness as a believer is absolutely essential. We talk about essential workers. I thank God for, for our essential workers in the hospitals. I, when I go to the grocery store, I thank those workers, I think, and I literally say, thank you for being such an essential worker in our community because you are here at high risk providing that I'm able to take food home to feed my family. Thank you. But as a believers, as important as that food is to your body, forgiveness is that important to your body and to your spiritual walk. He so desires that, let's understand, that he wants to forgive us, but we have to be forgiving people. See, forgiveness is a funny thing. It, it warms the heart and coals the sting. There, there has been things that is done, was done to me as a child that I can remember very clear as I see you today. But what I do also know is that that sting is no longer there. And it, it's amazing is that I should be thinking, wow, that was horrible. Why did I hate that person? I've forgiven that person. And I'm able to be released to move forward. So I want us to look, secondly here, at the power of forgiveness. In 1988, in a moment of really a, 
a surprising uh, honesty on television. A woman named Mephanita Lesky was one of the best-known atheists and novelists of that time. She said this. She says, what I envy most about you Christians is that your forgiveness. I have no one to forgive me. A while back there was in, in Madrid, there was a father and son who was having a, well, a talking to each other, an argument. The son got so upset, he left the house with his baggage. The father was so upset that he, he wanted to bring reconciliation to that relationship, and he looked for that son for months and could not find him. So what he did is that he posted an ad in the Madrid newspaper, and this is what it said. Dear Peco, meet me in front of this newspaper office at noon on Saturday. Always forgive him. I love you, your father. He showed up on that Saturday at noon. 800 Pecoses showed up seeking that reconciliation, that forgiveness of their father. You see, all of us seek that kind of forgiveness because forgiveness heals relationships. No matter if there is a casual friendship or a deep friendship, a friendship in a family, a friendship in that we have even with our spouse. My wife is my best friend, and she's watching online, baby. You are my best friend. Amen. But here's what I love about that work of friendship, is that work of friendship gives us the freedom to not be perfect. Hmm. Well, why is it that, that we, we expect that perfection from each other? We expect that perfection in, in, in our family, you know? Arlene, she says, I can't believe I'm even admitting this, but, but Arlene would say to me, and she's right now shaking her head as I'm about to say this. She's saying, Tom, why don't you talk to me like you talk to the people at the church? You know, it's the big one, Ethel, you know. I go, good. But the truth is sometimes, even as family, we hurt each other, don't we? Because, you see, and then, then out of that, we expect such perfection that I don't give you any right not to be perfect. You have to be perfect. And that's not true because no one is that perfect among us. And I need that freedom. Not that I have give myself an excuse that I may sin. Lord forbid. But, but that I understand that we all fall short of the glory of God. And understanding that, what begins to come out of my life is not only that reconciliation, bringing that forgiveness in there, is that there also comes in our lives this thing, well, called the fruit of the Spirit, love, 
to those who were born, you know, or went grow up in the 60s, it's love. Not love, it's love, you know. Love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such, there is no law. See, that's part of the power of forgiveness. For some reason, we, we kind of enjoy and become comfortable in holding those grudges because we almost like being the victim. Our life has been altered every one of us, by the worst of actions of others. And it's quite normal for us to, to hold on to that offense. But if we don't move on past that, we become, well, we're in captivity and bondage of that anger, of that hurt, and of that pain. And what could God do with that? And we live in a society that is just out of control and what is going on. It breaks my heart today. Here's where I ask you to put on your steel toe shoes. But it breaks my heart today and how I see Christians talking to each other online because of political opinions. The world is watching us, church. And, and I understand we have those thoughts and ideas, but a political opinion is nothing more than a political opinion. And in four years, that opinion is going to change. <laughs> but the truth of the matter is, is that God's love and God's forgiveness and God's grace and God's mercy is eternal. It never changes. Do I hear an amen on that? My concern should not be who's going to be the next leader of this country. My concern of a follower of Jesus Christ, and listen to me here in this sanctuary and there online, is that our concern should be, is my neighbor a follower of Jesus Christ or not? Is the evangelism of the world, of America, of our community. I may have an opportunity to introduce you next Sunday at this time, because this morning, uh, Evangelist Joe Jackson was in, in our service, and we just invited him to come on our staff as being a part of having that covering of this church because we want to reach America with a message of Jesus Christ, and we're going to be praying for this evangelist. Now, he's willing to come on. I can't afford this guy. But he said, I will be a part of that in the church and that covering for nothing. I just want that prayer covering. 
And so he's a part of this staff. We will be praying for him because our concern is not who is in office. Our concern is who has come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And I say to the church, and I say to America, wake up. Because we need to have the message of Christ, his love and his grace and his forgiveness flowing forth. See, amen. You remember the saying, forgive and forget, <laughs> not work? Because we don't forget, do we? How can we? We're hurt. That's why God gives us those fillings on the tips of our fingers that when I touch that stove, it hurts. So I'm not going to do that again. That pain says something is wrong. Something hurts. Well, listen, church. What I should be saying is forgive and daily choose to walk in that forgiveness. So where does this leave us? Ravenbrook was a concentration camp that was built in 1939. It was on a small lake. It sounds kind of nice, but it wasn't. Opposite of a small town about 56 miles north of Berlin, Germany. Who was in that concentration camp were mostly women and children. These women were known as resistance to the Nazi occupation as they were taken over. Ravenbrook women were known as part of the Dutch resistance or the French resistance. They stood against the racism, the hatred, the fascism that was rising up in their land. Here's the thing that many people really don't know about Ravenbrook. 90,000 men, I mean women and children perished in Ravenwood. Not a lot is known about that outside of that, except there was found on a body of a child tucked in to his clothing a crumbled up piece of paper. A child. And written on it was this. Oh Lord, remember not only the men and women of good will, but also those of ill will. But do not remember all the suffering they have inflicted upon us. Instead, remember the fruits that we have bore because of the suffering, our fellowship, our loyalty to one another, our humanity, our courage, our generosity, the greatness of heart that has grown from these troubles. When our persecutors come to be judged by you, let all these fruits that we have borne be their forgiveness. How do you do that? It's, it's the work of the Holy Spirit, my friend. 
but it's so needed today. Colossians 3, verses 12 and 14 says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, as you know, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, <laughs> patience. Who needs that? Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievous you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord has forgiven you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect harmony. Hmm. Oh. As you woke up this morning, you were thinking, what am I going to put on and wear today to come to church? You, you on online is is that as you sit there? I don't know if you're in your pajamas or not. I don't want that picture in my head, but, but it's I said. But you may be thinking, am I going to have a cup of coffee or a cup of tea? You prepared for that service. See here, church, what are we putting on? Now, I know Superman, he always put something on his Superman. He went into phone booths. That's freakish. He went in, into closets and down alleys and, and, you know, rotating doors. He came out and, ta-da, he had this Superman uniform. He couldn't do any superpower without that on. I want you to understand that that supernatural work of God is putting on. Every day when we wake up in that supernatural opportunity to clothe yourself with compassion, with kindness, with humility, and gentleness, and patience, and then the opportunity with those things clothed on us, the opportunity to bear with each other and to forgive whatever grievance you have against one another. An opportunity to forgive as the Lord has forgiven us. And, and here is the thread that holds it all together. Over all these virtues put on love, which binds them together in perfect unity. I want you to understand something, family of God. You can't afford that outfit. It was already paid for by the redemptive work of Christ. But when you receive him as your Lord and your Savior, and we live in such a hostile society as we do today, in every area of life, there needs to be that work of the Holy Spirit in the body of Christ. The church needs to rise up in a whole new wardrobe. And that how do I get that fitted is that the Holy Spirit comes. He measures us. He sees what I need. Maybe he has to strengthen that kindness area a little bit. Or maybe that patient area. Whatever it may be, he fitly frames us into that outfit. And we wear it to the power and the work of the Holy Spirit because it is in that 
that we are able, we are capable to forgive each other. We're capable to forgive others. We're able to ask for that forgiveness. We're able to speak into a community that there it so vitally needs to see this work of supernatural grace and love of God, forgiveness. And I can't, I can't do it without him. I can't do it. As I put on the armor of Christ, I put on this new wardrobe, virtues that he's placed. And when I have those things on him, it blows my mind. That sting is no longer there. And I have that ability to say, I forgive you. Or ask, would you forgive me?